welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Amen. Today in our Anchored series, How to Be Secure in a Drifting World, I want to talk about how to be anchored in the deity of Jesus Christ. How to be anchored in the deity of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your life. Thank you for your death and resurrection. Father, thank you for sending him. Spirit, thank you for helping us to recognize him. And today, we need, Father, we need clarity. We need anchoring in the right stuff. And you are it, Lord. So God, expand our bandwidth today. One of the things, the shepherd that you fear in a passage like this is that people will check out. God, help them to check in and see the excellencies of you. Oh God, the greatest poet has difficulty when exegeting and explaining and expositing such words. They fail to make fully eternally plain the extent of the massivity of the Son of God. But God, fill me with your spirit and give me the capacity and the, 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 the immensity to be able to communicate your magnitude. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. Anchored in the deity of Jesus Christ. One of the things that is interesting is that everybody has an opinion on Jesus. I mean, literally everybody has their idea. Generally, people have respect for him, whether they believe he existed or whether they believe he did not exist. There's an opinion on him. Uh, but what's interesting, there was a poll done. Put up that first slide. We, we had this a few months ago. That the vast majority of Americans believe that Jesus is a real person. So, so we see that these percentages are high from the generations, Right? Next slide. Younger generations, however, now are increasingly less, uh, le less uh, likely to believe that Jesus Christ was God. And we know that anything that Jesus is that you say he's not, that's less than what he is. And you can't give him an identity less than who he is. And so we, 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 we have, you know, people tell me all religions are basically the same. Well, it's interesting that's not true because if you look at Islam, Islam, you can take that down, believes, they do believe in the virgin birth. They believe that Jesus performed miracles, but they believe Jesus was a sinner. Because they say all the prophets and they believe Jesus, when he, when he returns, is going to cop a plea before God. I never told them I was God. I, I don't know where they got that from. I only worship you as God. But as I look at the contours of Scripture, as we will see today in this 
massive text of scripture that keeps yelling that Jesus is God, uh, uh, we're going to see that that's not a true, true reality. I mean, we're, we're, so, we're in such a society that it's easy, uh, you know, to, to, to believe that, uh, anything against Christ, the church, Christianity, and the Bible. And, and, and so, and so it's, it's just like this. This lady went on Instagram and she said, you know, I, I found out that, you know, the way that the Lord's Prayer is translated into English is not the proper translation. Actually, there was an Aramaic manuscript that was found in the 1800s that translated it uh, from Aramaic to English. But uh, the way we have it is it was translated from Aramaic to Greek to Latin to English, which it loses its translation, which that's a lie. Um, and so she says this, this is how the real prayer goes. Oh, cosmic birther. <laughs> of all radiance and vibration, I ain't going to say all of this because I ain't invoking the devil. Soften the ground of our being and carve out a space within us where your presence can abide. Fill us with your creativity. Let each of our actions bear fruit in accordance with your desire. Endow us with wisdom to produce and share each other. Untie the tangled threads of destiny. Don't let us seduce. I'm, I'm taking pieces. Let us not be, be seduced by that which divert us from our true purpose. Um, for you are the ground and the fruitful vision, the birth, the power, the fulfillment. I'm like, come on, y'all. And everybody like, see, I knew it. They always hide stuff from us. This is a way better prayer than that Lord's prayer. And because, because you know, when that Lord's prayer, you know, they don't like this. Forgive those who trespass against us, right? There ain't no forgiveness in the prayer. It's so, you know, that was just written like probably 200 years ago for by some mystic. It sounds so mystic, right? But, 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 why, but, 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 but you see that I could go online right now and say, you know, the government and the FBI, when I was coming into ministry, took us to the Vatican to bow before the Pope. And, and, and we went into this Vatican boat, and they, they laid blood out, and we walked through the blood, and they said, do you promise and swear to teach the white Jesus and destroy the black community and take people's money and act like this is real and true? And we made vows to do that. The internet, listen, it would be 495 trillion views because, but, but if I went on and said, Jesus loves you and he wants you to repent of your sin and go from spiritual death to life. Do you know you're messed up and tore from the floor up, but only God can save you? Um, they, they would that wouldn't last two seconds, but, it, but foolishness lasts longer than truth in our world. And so that's why it's so important in our world now to be anchored. Somebody be anch say anchored. I want you to be anchored. You're un, are you, everybody under the sound of my voice, God wants you in a stable place. And so I got one point and one point only. Today, if you're going to be anchored in the deity of Jesus Christ, one and only point, you got to know this. Jesus is incomparable to anyone. That's all I want to teach today. That's all I want to teach. I just want you all to know the sermon is the same every week. And this, and, 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 and this is just said in a different way. It's, it's basically... Every, everything in Hebrews is Jesus is better, don't give up. So I'm going to just say that in like a different way every week. It's going to be very snazzy, hopefully, make you pay attention. But pretty much, Jesus is better, don't give up. Repeat after me, Jesus is better, don't give up. That's it. That's what the whole Hebrew book of Hebrews is about. But here we say Jesus is incomparable to anyone. He's, I like this. This is some old fly talk because God, it, this, this is like, uh, this is like old school hip hop in this passage. 
You feel me? It's, it's like 90s hip-hop. It's not just a vibe. It has bars. Amen. Oh, look at y'all. I'm like, yeah, talking my language now. Bars, you, you know, we, we, every time, if it just make you go like this, you, just, you do your little thing, and you on drill music, and you go on like this, and all of that doing, you know, like you're bored, and you, all that. And we like that, right? Because of the vibe. But I like bars. I like hypercatastasis and metonymies of adjunct and similes and metaphors and comparison and contrast. I, I, I like bars that have punchlines and that the flow of the word rhyme with the same way that it rhymes in the rhyme pattern. I like different, this is different rhyme pattern. It's like some old fly like kingdom barisms. Listen, li listen, listen to verse five, how he goes. He says in verse five, he says, for to which of the angels did he say, you are my son. Now what's interesting about this is that what someone would say, well, he says, I'm his son and I'm his daughter. He never speaks of your sonship and daughtership individually. He always speaks of it communally. How do I know that? Um, be, because, because in Genesis, and, and with the sons of God in, in the heavenly places. In Genesis 6, 1, it says, when mankind began to multiply on the earth and the daughters on earth, and the daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took them as wives. John 1, 11, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But all who uh, did not receive him, uh, but, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be children of God or sons of God. So see there, it's always communal. But when he talks about Jesus, he talks about him individually because he has a unique relationship with the father. So when he talks about him uh, 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 um, uh, being, uh, uh, you are my son, uh, and pointing to the sonship of Jesus Christ, um, um, there are parts in the psalm, in Psalm 2, which is a messianic psalm. There are different types of psalms. Stay with me, y'all. Uh, and, and messianic psalm is a psalm that is an expression of the coronation of a king. So it has what's called dual prophecy. Somebody say dual prophecy. Stay with me. There's a prophecy that it, it, it comes to pass in a small way at one time, but then it's fully realized in its full essence in Jesus Christ. So when you look in Psalm chapter 2 and you begin to read about uh, this coronation of this king, you begin to realize that some of the stuff in here is too big, too big of talk to be of David. It has to be somebody better than David. And, but the one that it's talking about is Jesus Christ. And because it's talking about Jesus Christ, I, I, I like the affirmation of the father of Jesus. He affirms him, and, and, and as he affirms him, uh, uh, like on the day of his baptism, I love that. On the day of his baptism, John was like, um, I need you to baptize me. He said, no, it's good to fulfill all forms of righteousness. He got baptized, and he didn't get baptized in nobody's name. He just put him in the water because people will be baptized in his name. That's a whole nother. Anyway, and so he went down the water, came out of the water. The spirit came down on him, and then when the spirit came down on him, a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. In other words, God was committed to publicly affirming his relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was willingly willing to publicly affirm his connection to God. Jesus never became a secret agent Messiah. 
he went public with his commitment to the father and the father public isn't that beautiful and that's a principle a father publicly affirming his son that you're mine and I'm proud of you that's what he said to him but why does that have so much uh, th th that matters because that's uniquely different than, 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 than everybody else God basically is letting him know that he rode with him he said I ride with you son that's what he said in front of everybody that's why God takes apostasy denying him and not representing him well in the earth so seriously God because God is willing to publicly affirm you as his child how dare we not publicly affirm our commitment to God like Christ did when God did everything to publicly affirm us all the time but what's interesting let me see how I can make an example y'all looking at me funny um, um, it's interesting to me now maybe the person doesn't want to be online it's different it's always weird to me if somebody is in a relationship or married and you never see a picture of their spouse. Like, like to me, that's weirdoism. <laughs> I mean, one of the most important relationships in your life, there's not a sign that exists. You know, you're going down their page like this, just rolling. Some of when I'm gonna get they say they married and they're going down. And, and, and in other, in other words, when, 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 when there isn't an affirmation of a relationship publicly, that means the relationship isn't important. God wants us to affirm our relationship with him. He didn't call us to be secret agent Christians. He called us to be public. Now, now, now see, now see y'all think God, because God ain't fickle in his commitment to you. If we failed earthly people as much as we failed God they would have been left us but God is just different he built different matter of fact he wasn't built he just is different so let's wipe that out uh, um we lie and he wakes us up in the morning we're prideful and he still puts food on the table we all but bitterness and he pours out his love on us we're unforgiving and he offers us grace God never ever stops being committed to us. And listen, a part of your commitment to him isn't passively being anchored. Being anchored, anchored, you gotta drop the anchor and put it in a spot to stay stable. And I'm telling you, many of you are drifting away from the faith, drifting and thinking that you can live whatever kind of life you want to live and then, called, and then add Jesus on top like he's whipped cream and a cherry. No, Jesus Christ is the meal. It's nothing worse than being in a relationship where you're giving everything and the other person is giving you nothing. Does our relationship look like an abusive relationship when we, when we uh, reflect it with God? Or is it a godly relationship and a committed relationship? He said, today I'll become your father. It wasn't, this is not a time thing. It's about his coronation. Stay with me. Uh, uh, in other words, he said, to which of the angles did I say, uh, 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 you are my son? And then he says, today i become your father. It's, 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 it's interesting that he's basically trying to let you know, I don't treat everybody like this. He gets a special place. He's just different. Okay, let me see if I can make a plan. When, when, when my wife was about to have Amalia, my youngest, my daughter, got my sons together. I said, let me explain something to y'all. I love all y'all. 
but I'm going to treat her different. They were just staring at me. I said, I'm going to treat her different. And I said, and you're going to treat her differently too. And I said, and my, and my oldest said, Dad, we knew you were going to do that. You ain't had to just tell us you was going to treat her different than us. <laughs> right? But there was going to be a unique way that I treated her and demanded that other people treated her. That's how God wants us to treat Jesus because he treats him different. He wants us to treat Jesus different. Uh, 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 let me see if I can make the point. The, the, the Father de- uh, 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 treats Jesus differently in so many ways. It's, it's like this. I'll give you another example. Um, when I was growing up, you had three pairs of shoes. You had school shoes, you had play shoes, and you had church shoes. Okay? Them, them play shoes beat them up. School shoes, you wear up school, you tear them up, you got to keep wearing them until next year. We got one or two shoes a year. The only reason you got another shoe is maybe if you grew out of them, and you got to prove it. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, you had to prove it. Now, if you play outside after church in them, in them church shoes, them Buster Browns, them Oshkosh Magosh, or whatever, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, two cent bobos, y'all know what I'm talking about. Baby Stacy Adams, you know. And y'all, the girls, y'all used to have those little socks with the little flaring little umbrella thing. And y'all had the black little patent leather with the strap that went across. Some of y'all don't, or y'all had the little jellies on. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, but, but you were supposed to treat that shoe not like you treated your other ones commonly. That shoe was set aside for one day, and it was supposed to be clean and developed and kept well because you had to look good going to church on Sunday. Listen, Jesus Christ must not be treated as the rest of the common things in your life. Jesus Christ, like those shoes, must be treated in a way that's different than everything else in your life. Verse 6, he says again, he says again, when he brings his firstborn into the world, He says, and let the angels worship him. Ain't that crazy? Now, firstborn is not talking about Christ being created. That's not what a a prototokos means. It, it, It means the person who has the capacity to be heir to the father. Now, you have to understand if you're heir to something and somebody's leaving you something, You have the same capacity that they have to take care of it. That's why you're going to be given it. So the father is giving Jesus the universe in order for Jesus to be able to handle the universe. He has to be of the same substance of the father. In in other words, he has to be omnipotent. That means he has to have all power. That's why when he got out the grave and he's about to go to heaven, he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And, that, 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 and, 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 and so, so, so Jesus has the capacity to hold the earth together. Jesus has the capacity to make the solar systems work. Jesus has the capacity to handle a, 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 a nuclear thing. He has the power to handle all things. He has the handle to keep the water in the water and the air in the air. He has the ability to handle the changing of the seasons. He has the ability to handle uh, trees growing. He has the ability to understand and know all things in the universe. So he is the heir apparent to God. 
So it's interesting, though. The Bible talks about him being firstborn a lot. In Romans 8, 29, it says, For those he, pre- he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be firstborn among many. He is the image of the invisible God. Woo! And the firstborn of all creation. He is also the head of the body, the church. That's uh, Romans, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, that's, first, uh, that's Colossians 18, uh, 118. Uh, and the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to be first place in everything. And so, it's a lot of groups that believe a lot of different things about Jesus, right? A lot of groups that believe a lot of different things about Jesus. You got Islam, they believe he's a created being. You got Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe Jesus Christ is a God. New World Translation retranslated. Y'all still with me right now? You got the Hebrew Israelites, most of them uh, believe Jesus was a created being or the sons of Joseph. All of that's basically Arianism. And that was, def- that was condemned uh, 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 list literally 1,700 years ago in 325 at the Council of Nicaea. A- anyway, uh, by a man the, they nicknamed the Black Dwarf. He was a short, dark-skinned man that was named Athanasius that defended the two natures of Jesus Christ before uh, uh, 118 uh, people, even though 1,800 were invited, only a few came and he defended it and it be, and, and, and it be, continued. He didn't, he didn't, he, listen, he didn't create it at Nicaea. He continued to affirm what was already taught. Anyway, somebody get that on the way home. Seven day Adventists as well believe Jesus is a created being. They're called as well. Uh oh. My book's coming out in June. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. So when we talk about Jesus and we talk about the message, he's not less than. Jesus is the first in creation. That means that Jesus Christ also created a chain reaction in order to change creation. So when Adam died, help me today. When Adam died, all sin was passed down to all of us, and creation became broken when sin came into the world. So in order to reverse the polarity of the universe, spiritually and naturally, there had to be a new Adam that had that put on his shoulders, both our lives and the universe. So Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground, listen, it'll never bear fruit. When Jesus died on the cross, the the universe responded with earthquakes and thunderstorms because there was a shift that was happening. And the polarity of Adam's sin was now being, God was realigning things and locking things back in order so that when he got up out of the grave, he was a first of a new creation. And now that he's the first of a new creation, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you become the next stage of the the rebuilding and the reinstitution and reconstituting of the universe. And so you and I are supposed to be trailers. Of course, I love going to the movies. And, but if I miss the, the trailers, I feel like I haven't, I feel, I feel like I missed the movie. And because of me, them things make me excited to watch it. That's what our lives are supposed to be like in the earth. Our, the changes in our lives are supposed to point to the fact that Jesus can bring change. So that's why you can't remain the same. Because as you change from your bad and ugly into, into the best humanity, that's true humanity. And when, listen, people go, some of us are so crazy 
when we change, somebody's going to get saved without us telling them the gospel because of how crazy we were. They said, God has to exist because that joker right there, so crazy and so much change. What, what, what must I do to be saved? Your family, what must I do to be saved? So he changed the polarity of the universe. Now, what's interesting is this, this, this writer of Hebrews, we don't know who he is, but he or she is because it also could be a woman that wrote this. But what's interesting is that it says, let the angels worship him. Now, you have to understand, this is quoting God the Father talking about Jesus. Did y'all hear that? So, so, so it said, let the angels worship him. People say, well, the Bible doesn't teach worshiping Jesus. It never taught that, and Jesus never accepted worship. Well, there, were, there was one guy in Revelation, he got, an angel got worship, and he said, stand up, I'm a servant like you. Worship God, not me. Herod was a guy over in Acts that accepted worship, and God killed him. Okay, so God takes pretty seriously People that accept worship. You know, I know some of us don't know that we worship certain artists in the world and we listen to their music. And I'm not a person that say don't listen to no secular music. But listen, listen it's some crazy stuff out here today uh, that's pointing to Oshun and all kinds of things. But that's a whole nother thing. Um, I'm keeping this. Um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw, we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. Verses on the board, please. Matthew 2.11. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. Now, somebody would say, well, in this passage, Jesus was a baby, you know, so he wouldn't have stopped them from worshiping. But he could have. Jesus probably, he's God. So he's a human, so he has human lack of awareness like a baby, but he's God, so he has God awareness. Because it would have been weird if he'd have been like, as a baby, and start talking to him, right? That would have been weird. But, 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 so, but, but so let's go to another passage, Matthew 14, 32. It says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased after he said, peace be still. And it says, then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly you are the son of God. That doesn't get you. Matthew 28, verse 9, then Jesus met them and said, greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. A few verses later in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. In John chapter 8, verse 38, he said, I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. This isn't a word for reverence here. This is a word for worship. So Jesus is accepting worship. When the woman came into the house and she broke the alabaster over him and she began washing his feet with her tears, she bowed down and she was worshiping him. And she said, this woman, this woman, th th because of what she did, she, her story is going to be told all over the world. He he didn't tell her to get up. He told her, keep going. So, 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 so now you got verses on the fact that Jesus, listen, people say Jesus never explicitly said he was God. He didn't have to. Why did Jesus die? He got killed for blasphemy. They said, we're not stoning you for a good work. We're stoning you because you make yourself out to be God. They understood what he was saying. He didn't say, I didn't have to say I was Elohim. They knew. But this is my favorite one, and this is the flyest one. Can I get it? This, 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 this one right here is off the map. It said in uh, Isaiah 6, 6, it says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Ha'adon, seated on a high throne, lofty throne, and the hem of his robe Filled the temple. 
seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered his face, but they weren't looking at him. <laughs> anyway, uh, two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew and said to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. Well, what does this have to do with Jesus? Well, you have to turn to John chapter 12, uh, uh, verse 39 to 41. And as he's talking about Jesus, John says, this is why they were unable to believe because Isaiah said, he, was he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts and that they would not see with their eyes or understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory, whose? Jesus' glory, and spoke of him. When did he see Jesus' glory? In John chapter 6, when he went in there and said, I am undone. He was in the presence of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ in a, theoph a, the a theophany. Sitting on the throne. I wish, whoa, 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 whoa. One day we're going to see him as he is. I'm, I'm not going to get too happy yet. And so when we look at the reality of this, this is just a beautiful thing. Look at verse 7. It says, and about the angels, he makes the angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. Talking about them being his servants. That's the point of that verse. Can't preach everything in this. But to the son... This is what the Father says. Your throne, O God. Yahweh calls Jesus God. He said it's forever and ever. Now, what's interesting, the Greek word here is theos, which points back to Elohim. Now, Elohim can be spoken generally of different heavenly beings, but what he's pointing to here, O God, is pointing back to a phrase called El Elyon, God Most High. So Yahweh calls God the Father, calls God the Son, God Most High, because both of them are God Most High. Somebody says the Trinity is confusing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's three gods. No, it's one God, three persons. Now, 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 now let me explain something to you. God is going to be confusing to a level because he don't even explain everything about himself because we can't handle it. But he explains enough of us, enough of himself for us to understand him and love him, yet not understand fully so that there can be mystery to him because it's not going to make sense to tell you everything because your brain only has enough power to understand only a few things, so he gives you just enough. But even the stuff you understand, you don't fully understand, but you just know it's true. So when you say God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they're one person, uh, they're three persons, one essence, united forever. You're like, how does that work? I don't know. I just believe it. <laughs> and it's interesting about this reality because he says his throne I love this it says his throne oh God is forever and ever talking about the rule Jesus sits at the highest location in the universe now what's interesting though is the devil is a wild boy because in Matthew chapter 4 the devil said he took him on the highest place in Jerusalem in Mount Zion, and he says, fall down and worship me, and I will give you the kingdoms of the earth. Now, one of the things you have to know about Satan, which of course Jesus knew, is that Satan always offers you bootleg, substandard, 
temporal versions of what God wants to give you on an eternal level. Let me say that again. Satan always gives you a bootleg, a substandard. In other words, he always overpromises and underdelivers. Now, he was only telling Jesus, I will give you the current nations of the earth. But, but, but if you fall down and worship me, but Jesus, let's, let me explain something to you. Even though he was weak at that point, he let truth overcome his feelings. And what he, what he, this is what he knew. He knew that he was not just going to be king over the nations that existed, but he would be king over the universe. And he knew that one day every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that he is Lord to God the Father. And so he knew that Satan was only offering something on a temporal level that God wanted to give him on an eternal level. Let me tell you something, believer. Be careful of taking Satan's temporal blessings when you get a chance and opportunity to experience God's eternal blessings. The enemy always gives you something substandard. He will dress it up to look beautiful, but all of a sudden, when you get into it, you'll see that there's more mess involved with with Satan than it is with God. When you do stuff with the enemy, you get convicted. Uh, 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 um, but, 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 but when you do things with God, you get comfort. When you deal with Satan, you get pestilence. But when you deal with God, you get peace. When you deal with the enemy, you get hellishness. But with God, you get wholeness and healing. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. And he said the scepter of his kingdom is a scepter of justice. I love this. The scepter is a broad term. The scepter points to the seat of his authority and the holding of his authority like his throne. He's, he's the one in authority. Now, for his enemies, it's for judgment. But for us, it comforts us. His rod and staff, it comforts us. So his, his scepter doesn't have the same effect on us. As I close, I mean, the scepter points to his authority. Stability and judgment, justice, discipline, and comfort. He's going to eternally apply God's standards in all of creation. One of the greatest things that I look forward to when Jesus returns is how he's going to turn politics on its head. That's what this passage is more about versus personal not crying, no more dying. It's really about Jesus setting in motion making everything right. Can you imagine a society with no racial profiling? Jesus is going to set that up. <laughs> can, can you imagine a, a society without inequity? Jesus is going to set that up. Can you imagine a society with no ethnocentrism? Jesus will set it up. Can you imagine a society with no genderism? Jesus is going to set that up. Can you imagine a society where the innocent don't die, unborn babies don't die. What, what, can, can, can you imagine the world without all of the destruct, no more earthquakes, no more, th- none of the things that we experience in equity in relationships, why? Because everybody will know that we're equal in heaven. We will have our same looking faces, different bodies, we'll have our same ethnicity, We'll be able to speak our own language that you currently speak now and understand everybody, but nobody, God doesn't have racial divisions in heaven. Because nobody will be able to say that they got there of their own merit. Everybody will understand 
that we all got here by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone. Jesus plus nothing and Jesus subtract anything. We all got there because of that. But we live in a world now where we have to be those trailers. Where we have to show and fight. That's why we fight for justice. That's why we do outreach. That's why we make disciples. That's why we work missiologically. We do all of those things because we are to be sneak previews of coming attractions. And so as we go through this series, my prayer is that you would learn how to drop an anchor. That's really all I want you to do. And again, this series is about this. Jesus is better. What's the other part? Don't give up. Say it with me. Oh, we need to make some music with that. Jesus is better. Don't give up. Jesus is better. Don't give up. What's up? Jesus is better. Don't give up. Jesus is better. And don't give up. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, y'all so churchy. Somebody did the church. Clap, clap, clap. That's such a church clap. Y'all so churchy. Amen. Well, every head bow, every eye closed. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder and pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.